Salam and hello. Welcome to Uproot. My name is Lily Bakala Piper, and I'm so glad that you've tuned in today. Today's show is part two of our UNICEF-sponsored stories from Kakuma Refugee Camp in northern Kenya. If you haven't listened to part one yet, that's episode 10, so please do have a listen. On today's show, I have the joy of sharing an interview I did with three young adults from South Sudan who live in Kakuma and are recipients of the Student Refugee Program Scholarship from the World University Service of Canada. The Student Refugee Program is the only one of its kind in the world, and it combines resettlement with opportunities for higher education. Basically, if a student wins the scholarship, they not only get funding for their university education, but they also have the opportunity to become a Canadian citizen. The program supports over 130 students per year, and since the program began, over 1,800 young refugees from 39 countries have been able to continue their education in Canada. On today's show, I talked to three of this year's recipients. Monica, Andrew, and Along took some time to tell me about their lives in camp and how they're preparing for this major uprooting from Kakuma to Canada. I know you'll enjoy this conversation that we recorded live in Kakuma, and it's my pleasure to welcome Andrew, Monica, and Along to Uproot. Monica, let's start with you. Could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Tell us your name, where you're from, and how long you have been in Kakuma. Thank you. My name is Monica Jernor. I'm from South Sudan. I've been in Kakuma for five years now. Welcome. Thank you. Andrew? My name is Andrew. Rachwar Andrew Gadwech, that's my full name. I've been here in Kakuma for like 20 good years. 20 good years. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. My name is Alwanga Gokumaria. I'm a South Sudanese. I have 13 years in Kakuma. Thank you and welcome to Uproot. And I want to start by just saying thank you for sharing your stories and giving us an opportunity to learn more and understand more about your journey to this point in life. So as I mentioned already, the reason we're having this conversation with you today is because you have been granted a really unique opportunity to study in Canada and then become citizens there. But before we get to that part of the story, I'd love to hear a bit more of your background. And Andrew, maybe I'll start with you. You said you've had 20 years in Kakuma. So were you born here in the camp? No, I was not born here in the camp. I was born in Sudan, then I came here when I was three years. And then after that time, I've been staying in Kakuma. I also learned here, all of my educations. Yeah, I did here in the camp. And then um, after my primary level, then I got a scholarship. And then I was taken to to Lodua Boys High School. Where was that school? In Lodua. In Lodua? Yeah, in Trukana County. Then in those four years, I study, then not going anywhere else, then I normally go there in the Lodua, in Lodua, then come back, then and that's how I was okay. really rotating in the camp, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and when you came to Kakama when you were little, when you were three, who came with you? And why did you leave South Sudan? Actually, I, I came here with my parents, my mom and my dad, and my siblings, yeah, in the year 2000. And uh, it was brought about by the, by the civil war against the two governments. Yeah, we have got SPLA and the Arab militias. 
it's happened that they were fighting over the, I mean, the ruling of the, of the country. I mean, they are fighting for power, and uh, it happened this way. Uh, very in the morning, actually, we were attacked, and uh, there actually it was a, a political fight. Yeah, they are fighting. Uh, for the country. Yeah, yeah and in fact, I misspoke because you left when it was Sudan. There yeah. was no South Sudan at that time. Yeah, it was Sudan. So, yeah. yeah. So, I was actually narrated because by then I was very young. Yes. And, uh, and they told me that uh, they do, they attacked, and uh, they killed so many people, uh, especially children and mothers. And uh, because we were with, uh, with our parents, uh, we make our way and we fled. And uh, we went to a nearby village, and thereafter, you are rescued. Yeah, by by, by, by 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 Red Cross, you are brought to Kakuma Refugee Camp, uh, and that was my first time to hear Kakuma Refugee Camp. Uh, you are brought, uh, yeah, in a lorry. Yeah, you see a lorry, and you are taken to reception. Yeah, and after, yeah, after okay. we were given everything, the ration and everything. Okay. So, so along, let me ask you also, you also came to the camp before South Sudan had earned its independence. So tell us what the circumstances were that brought you and your family here. And who are you here with in the camp? So what has led to our flee to Kenya was due to family conflict. That was the relative to my father. So, so they wanted to, okay, you know, as... As Dinka, that is a tribe, they normally keep cattle, and that can bring lots of conflict. See, it's a conflict of a cattle between my dad and the relatives. So we were not able to bear that situation, and we had to uh, flee. So during our journey, we went to a nearby village, but then the circumstances were not bearable. Mm -hmm. We had to continue with the journey. So we came to Lokichogo. That's where we got to know where Kakuma is, and we were brought forward by UNHCR to Kakuma from Lokichogo. Do you remember um, arriving here in Kakuma? Because yes, I, I imagine, do. Andrew, at age three, you probably don't have very clear memories, but along, what do you remember about your first arrival into the camp? Okay, my first arrival, I didn't believe that you're going to stay here. I thought you're going to continue with the journey. Mm. But unfortunately, then we were told that this is where we're going to stay and there's nowhere to go. Why, unfortunately? What made you feel that way? Okay, because I thought Kakuma was a good place. It's a nice place that you're going to get everything. The environment would be okay, mm. but then not the way I was expecting it. But when you arrived, you found something a bit different? Yeah, when we arrived, at least the conditions were not that bad. The security, uh, they were provided with some shelter, food, mm -hmm. and also we got the priv privilege of going to school. Mm. And like when we were in Sudan, there's no going to school, so you just have to be at home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Monica, you are a more recent arrival into the camp. Tell us what brought you and your family to the camp, and who are you here in Kakuma with? Okay, um, I left my home village, that is Bor, in 2002 with my parents. We stayed in Nadapal. You stayed in? in? That is Nadapal. Okay. 
yeah, that is the border of Sudan and Kenya. And in the year 2012, it was so unfortunate that I lost both my parents in a road accident. Mm. Um, I'm sorry. It's okay. I remain with my siblings, my elder two brothers and younger brother and sister. Um, in the year 2013, a war broke out. That is, th there was a rebellion against the government. So we dispersed. Actually, th th I was in Lokchogyo schooling, and my other brothers and sisters were in Nadapal. So they flee to the other part of, there's another small village or town called Newside. So going back home, I got no one at home. Wow. So I had to rush to a nearby, that is reception. Yeah? Okay. It was moved from Lokchogyo to Nadapal, Nadapal, Kenya. It's a border. So we went and we were ferried to Kakuma refugee camp. So when I came to Kakuma, I didn't know anyone. The fact that I was alone, um, I wasn't that young actually because I had done my KC, KCPE. Okay. Okay. So we went to reception. So how old were you? Maybe 14, um, 13? I was 16. 16, okay. Yeah. So we went to reception and I was given size one. I used to say alone, don't talk to anyone because I never knew anyone. But luckily enough, I met my aunt related to my father. Mm. So she decided to, to take me to her home to stay with her, with her kids. So when you say size one, that means a family of one. That's how yeah. you were registered when you arrived. Yeah. You met your aunt and are now, are you living with her? Yeah. And did you, any word of your siblings? Did they manage to arrive anywhere? Yeah. Okay, after that, the, the, the tension relieved, that tension of that war. Mm -hmm. So they they came back. I heard they came back to Nadapal. Okay. So sometime I do go and visit them okay. and then come back. So you're able to see them at least. How are they doing there? Yeah, they're great. They're great. Yeah. That's great. That's great to hear. Thank you for sharing. Um, so it sounds like then all of you did your secondary school, um, either in Kakuma or you were sent to a boarding school, like in your situation, uh, Andrew and Lodoir. What were those secondary school years like for you? At that point, what were your dreams for yourself? Uh, after I came to the camp, mm -hmm. uh, actually, uh, sat for my Kenyan certificate of primary education. Right. And then afterwards, uh, after my results, I scored. Yeah, you scored exactly, well. Yeah. <laughs> then uh, I was awarded uh, a scholarship. Yeah, by the Window Trust. We okay. Window Trust. Yeah, Window, Window International. Window Trust. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, then I was taken to to Luda Boys High School. Okay. Yeah, I was awarded the scholarship. Now, and let me just say, Andrew, just to yeah. not to interrupt you, but it's it's good for people to also know that the schools in the camp also sit for these KCPE and the national exams, um, that they have the same expectation of their achievement as Kenyan students in Nairobi or Nakuru or anywhere else in the country, that they have the same exams that are administered here. I don't think everyone knows that. I think they think the refugee camps kind of operate in their own world of education, but yeah. they have the same standards um, yeah. of students here. Yeah. So when you went to Lodward, what was what did you expect for yourself? What was your dream for yourself at that time? I tried to work hard in Lodward. What did you what did you what were you working hard towards? What did you want to achieve through that hard work? So actually, when I was in class eight, I huh? heard of Wus. You heard of Wus in class eight, okay. How did you cousin, hear of it from your cousin? From my cousin, who was one of the beneficiary by he, then. He also was yeah, awarded a scholarship. In 2013. Okay. 
Okay. So I had to work towards that direction okay. because of the scholarship. Okay. And I had that uh, people would be taken to Canada and mm. studied there at World University. So I feel like I might do something to in order to achieve okay. it. So actually, that was what was my driving force, apart mm -hmm. from the family issues, apart from the my family issues, because uh, uh, actually when I joined secondary schools, when I was in Form 2, I lost my father. Mm. So that thing also drive me because yeah. I'm the firstborn. Yeah. Yeah. So A the first expectation in the now family, is that you now would, the expectation. Yeah. Because I'm seeing the life in the calm and, and other things. It's really terrible. Yeah. So I say to myself that I must do something yeah. in school in order to open eyes for the rest of the family, especially mm. my siblings and mother. Yeah. So Along, how about you? When did when did you first hear about WISC? Did you hear about it at an early age, like Andrew? I heard it actually when I was in primary class six, okay. no, class four. Wow, class four. How did you hear about it? So we used to have the remedial classes for girls living in Kakuma. Mm -hmm. So that teachers who are living for us, just like the way we are living, so they normally go teach the girls during the remedial classes. So. That's where I heard of wolves and I was like, let me work hard. And from mm. then I'll start working hard from primary to high school. And just to clarify, to remedial class is not yeah. meaning lower, but it's a revision class, isn't it? To like, to, it's like tutoring to yeah, to tutoring. prepare for exams and to do your studies and yeah. revision. Yeah. Okay. Continue. So, I didn't have any other means that is of going to university only to focus on getting a good grade to. Uh, get this scholarship. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Monica, let me ask you, when you arrived in the camp, you were 16. So did you enter Form 1 at that point? Did you enter secondary when you arrived here? Okay, thank you for the opportunity again. Um, I told you before that I did my class 8 in Lokchogyo. Mm -hmm. So I was lucky to get a scholarship, that okay. is Window International Scholarship, that took me to Trukanagas, Lodwa. Okay. Uh, that's when I did my secondary education. Okay. Um, uh, I heard about USC when I was in Form 1, actually. Okay. okay before that, b when I w went to Tranagas, I didn't know anyone. <laughs> I was like, I was lost. Yeah. yeah. Because I was from Lok Tokyo, and the ones who were taken from the camp were, from the camp, they studied in the camp, so maybe they knew each other. But I was just alone. So being the elder girl in the in the society and I hate the fact that um, my mother or other women in our community uh, maybe they when they process passports the title there is always housewife mm. so I hate that fact that my passport will be written housewife mm. so I need a different title a different occupation so in the year 2015 now that I didn't have parents my uncle, my uncle, the brother to my father wanted me to get married because they believe that girls are a source of wealth. So it was a big drama. Uh, first of all, they wanted someone to kidnap me, mm. to be his wife. I'm a husband of five wives, so I was to be the fifth one. So I didn't like that, and I reported it to the Window International and tell them that they, if they're not going to stop it, uh, I'll stay in protection. But again, they stopped it, and... In 2016, when I was from three, another one came from, I think, from Canada, 
wanted to marry me. Wow. So I refused. I told them I, I'm not going to get married because if it is going to abroad, then anyone can do that. Yeah. I can as well take myself. So it was a big battle between me and the family until my uncle told me that he will never speak to me until the day I'll, I'll get someone to marry me. Mm. And after that, we don't, we don't, don't talk. Speak. We don't yeah. talk wow. one another. So I, having all those challenges, I, I had to work hard. In fact, during the holidays, I used to go and study. During the holidays, it it there were holidays, but I used to study. Mm. Go to a, a nearby school, study. Because wow. I, I used to tell myself, like, if I don't pass, then I'll not, I'll not regret wasting my time. I'll be telling myself, even if I fail, I did my best. I gave it my best. But luckily enough, um, I passed. Not very highly, but I passed. I was lucky to get a whole scholarship. Yeah. Let me just as ask you to follow up on that. Thank you. What enabled you to resist your uncle's insistence that you get married, or even the second time when someone came? What, you know, what was it in you that enabled you to really stand firm to your values of completing your education? First of all, I have a personality that I don't like asking someone for something. Mm. So I, I used to believe that if I get married, then I'll depend on that husband for everything. And I didn't like that. Mm. So I needed to be independent so that I can, I, I'm able to get myself my own thing. Yeah. I'm able to give someone if, I'm, if someone is in need of my help. So that one drives me and also, I didn't want to be just like other girls, like from my tribe. If someone just come from America, you want just to get married. They they believe that now that they're stable, they have money, so that will become our money. Yeah. So I didn't want that. I want my own. That's why I resist and I tell them that if you want, if you, you will need my help, it will not be through my dowry or my bride price, but through my hard work. I love to work and I'll provide for you if you want that. So that's what drives me to persist. Thank you, Monica. Thank you so much for that. Can we talk for a moment just about the experience of South Sudanese in the camp and, and how things are now in 2019? What's your perspective of the relationship between the community members? Okay, the experience of South Sudanese in the camp um, is not as that recent because um, most of the people are now educated and they see the value of education and these issues of forced marriage and stuff are not that high now because most of the girls have get to know that they have voices. Initially, they didn't know they didn't have voices, but someone can't just resist. They do believe that you can't disrespect the elders. Mm -hmm. So if they tell you get married to this, you will just do that. But these days, they have improved, and most of the girls are educated, and they, everyone has now known the value of education. So the, you feel that, that it's the education they're receiving in secondary or primary schools that's informing that? Yeah. Uh, and that's what's bringing the change? Yeah, okay. Andrew, what's your perspective? Thank you. So I will have to compare between then and now. So I've seen that uh, the refugees have, have known about the education because uh, nowadays we have got remedials for girls. Then uh, we have got also boarding schools like Mon Chapelle for secondary schools. Then we have got also Angina Jolie, primary schools. And uh, the UNCR and other organizations have come together in order to keep the girl child busy. And by doing that, at least by now, it has reduced some cases of pregnancy and dropouts and 
and child marriage and other things. The challenges in the come, they're they are reducing. Yeah, so from when you first came 20 yeah, years ago to now, you can see yeah, a difference in that. Okay. But then we have got uh, this challenge also because of the ongoing fight in South Sudan. It has actually affected many people in the camp. Mm. Yeah, because uh, yeah, actually the working class people who are there, they are all broke. In, in uh, Kakuma? Yeah, in Kakuma. Yeah. Because uh, you may find uh, a family maybe being supported by their father or their brother. But because of that fight, the ongoing fight between the, the two governments, the, the, the rebels and the government, yeah, it has been chaos for real. Yeah. And that's why recently we have got some cases of early marriages yeah, in the calm. And uh, people in the calm also do believe that uh, when, when a person, yeah, a bride coming from abroad, that uh, they will believe that this guy is rich or any other thing, and they also they are also looking for that fame, yeah. You know, a daughter of someone has been married off to a guy from Canada or Australia and other places yeah. in abroad. So uh, it has been a challenge also because uh, we don't have that money, yeah, to provide for the family. So marry off your your child, it will be an option. Yeah, for some of the people. It's interesting you make the connection between peace at home in South Sudan and the effect it has on the camp. That yeah. if things are unsettled back home, then the pressure in the camp also increases to either yeah. send soldiers back home or to get your daughter sorted with marriage or whatever. It, it, there's, there's, we're still connected. Yeah. You're still connected to your yeah. communities back home even though you're here. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's talk a bit about... Um, this whole WISC program. After you finished secondary, I, I believe uh, at least along your teaching now here at uh, Mona Chapelle School. Andrew, Monica, are you, did you also go into teaching after you finished secondary? So actually, I, yeah. I finished my secondary in, in the year 2016. Okay, and then and what have you uh, been doing since then? In the year 2016, in 2017, I was in Kakuma Secondary. Okay. Yeah, Kakuma Refugee you were Secondary. Teaching? I was teaching okay. as a teacher. And then last year, towards the end of last year, I was transferred from okay. Kakuma Review Secondary to Mon Chapelle. Okay. I'm, I'm now teaching, yeah. Teaching here, yeah. okay. And how about you, Monica? Um, I finished my Form 4 in 2017. Yeah. Um, in 2018, first of all, I volunteered at Kakuma Refugee Camp, a secondary school, that is. And later, I was employed by Window International as a teacher. Okay, so, so you all three of you are teaching here. Okay, so tell us how you prepared for the WUSC interviews. There's many students who apply. Not everyone is chosen. Um, we hope in the future, you know, funding will be such that more students can have the opportunity. But tell me, how did you prepare along for this interview, and what were your feelings about the whole process? After my high school, I came back to the camp and start applying for the scholarship. So I did my high school in 2016. So 2017, that's when we start applying for the scholarship. So I did, I went through all the process, that is doing the pre-TOEFL exam and then going for oral interview. So unfortunately, that first year, that is 2017, I didn't make it. Mm. It's so competitive. Yeah. So I was out uh, during that time, but then I didn't give up. I, okay, waited for the next chance. So along, how did you prepare for the WUSC 
opportunity in the scholarship. There are different phases of it, and many people apply. Not everyone is selected. How did you prepare? Let me ask you before yeah. we talk about the next chance. What was it like when you found out? Can you tell us about the day that you found out the results of the first um, time you applied? Surely I was so down, so frustrated, but then I had to convince myself because I have no other option but to be patient and wait for the next time. I feel like crying, but then yeah. <laughs> you have to okay, be strong because there's next time. So you applied the next year? Yes. How did you prepare for the second round? For the second round, I okay, did uh, and research on the questions and then asked people so I had to make the okay, I had to make the corrections that maybe I didn't do it last time and then fortunately I got it at the end. So how did you find out that you received the scholarship? We were sent for messages. You sent phone messages. Phones, yeah. Okay. And what did the message say? That congratulations, you're qualified for the host 2018-2019 scholarship. <laughs> and by this date, the date that you are given, you'll have to be at the office for orientation. Okay. And yeah. congratulations. Thank you. Who was the first person you told the news? Who did you tell? My brother. Your brother. What did he say? He was so happy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's elder brother or younger brother? Uh, master brother, but older than me. Yeah, older than you. Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, Monica, let me ask you, um, what was it like when you applied? What were you feeling before you knew any outcome, just in the process of the application, the interviews? What was that experience like for you? Okay, uh, first of all, uh, when I realized that I I, I got a, school, um, a grade that qualifies me to apply for the whole scholarship, I, I actually remember my words, which I told my ankles that anyone can make it to abroad. So I was so excited. I went and picked the, the form. And I told my brother about it, and he was like, go ahead. So I did the application. I took my form back to the office. We were shortlisted. We came, did the exam. OK, I, I'm not that good at English, but I told myself that I'm going to make it. So we were shortlisted, and we went for the oral interviews. We waited and we were shortlisted now for the, we qualified for the scholarship. Yeah. Wow. So let me ask you, you know, we were talking before the interview that um, part of the reason I called my show Uproot is because I, these stories of being uprooted from your home country and, and finding a new identity or a new culture is, is, are the stories that I'm thinking about and wanting to tell. And I'm really struck by each of your stories that you were uprooted from your home country without much control over your own life. You know, political circumstances or conflict really drove you to uh, seek better opportunities for yourself. Now, as recipients of the WUS scholarship, you're being uprooted again, um, but this time for very different reasons and with a bit more control over your life. How does that feel to you? Okay, uh, first of all, it was so exciting that um, at least if I've not achieved my dream, I've started the journey of achieving my dream. Yeah. So the fact that I was approached to go to Canada, it was so nice because um, I, I hope that I'll get an opportunity to for my tertiary education. And after that, I'll be able to help my siblings and my uncles in a different way now. Yeah. I look forward to that, that new title on your, on your passport. What do you want that title to be, by the way, in like five years, if we talk to you again? What do you want that title to be? 
Okay. Um, it will be a table of an, a different occupation now, sorry. Yeah. Like maybe um, it will depend on the course I'll take. But uh, do, you, do you know what you want to study? I want to study financial economics. Financial economics. So maybe your title will be economist or something. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. Okay, how about you, Along? What does it feel like to have some agency, have a bit more, you know, yeah, ability to kind of drive your, your destiny? It's so important that I'm able to, since I'll be going to Canada, I'll be able to control myself, that is make my own decisions, and also I'll be able to help others, and I'll be, like, included in the society in making decisions, mm. just like before, girls are not allowed, or women, to make decisions within the society. So having this gotten, having gotten this opportunity, it's an... Okay, it's very important. Yeah. And also, since my primary education up to high school, I've been supported. So, like, primary, I went to Angelina Jolly Girls, which is a free school. And high school, also, I got a scholarship from Window Trust. And that was so exciting. Again, university. I'm going to get the host program. That is the University of World University Service of Canada. And I'm very delighted for that. Um, yeah. So I'm very happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Along, you said something I think is so interesting, which is that this opportunity will allow you to be a part of society. What does that mean to you? And help us to understand more what that means for you as a young woman who's going to Canada, but then after that could be a, will be a Canadian citizen and a whole new set of opportunities will be open to you. What does that mean to be a part of society? This means that as for us, our culture, the South Sudanese, most of the South Sudanese, the role of the woman in the society is to give birth, uh, take care of the family, and you have no other, other, other jobs to do. So for this opportunity, I'm educated, and at the same time, um, I've got away from the okay the way of like that other girls have been married off and at an early age, and for that reason they have no voices. And for me, I have a voice. I can speak for others and myself, and that means I'll be part of the society in yeah. making decisions too. Mm. Thank you for that, yeah. Andrew. Let me ask you the term that we use as refugee to describe each one of you, to describe Kakuma and this community. What do you think about that term? So first of all, I will, I will say that uh, the term is actually belittling us, yeah, the people are staying in the camp. Yeah, because uh, I've been doing the comparison yeah, between us, the people living in the camp. Between us being who? Yeah, the people who are living in the camp. People who are living in the camp yeah, and the you're Sudanese comparing to South Sudanese yeah, back yeah, home in South yeah. Sudan. Okay. And uh, the Kenyan citizens. And Kenyan citizens, yeah. sure. So, for example, all of us, yeah, we, we have gone to national schools, yeah, across the country. And uh, I've seen that uh, we are all equal, yeah, just like any other citizens in various countries. And uh, we also performed. Yeah, we also yeah. performed. Yeah. Uh, like most of us here, you can get that, uh, yeah, we, 
we, we always performed highly yeah. as compared to any other person. And, uh, and the reason being that uh, we are all equal. And uh, it all depends on the determination you have as a person and uh, your hard work. Yeah. 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 Andrew, you've been in here, you've been in Kenya a long time, and you've not just been in Kakuma, you've been in other parts of the country, and you make a really important point that you take the same exams, you have been in schools with Kenyans. At this point, do you feel like you're a Kenyan? Do you feel connected to Kenyan culture and, and the country as a whole? Yeah, sure. Because uh, uh, I've stayed here for like 20 years. Yeah, 20 more, than anywhere, years. More, yeah more than, than South anywhere Sudan. Person, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, I've been staying here in the car in, in, in Kenya and yeah, the culture most of the time when you're staying with different people, so you must adapt to that. Yeah. But then we have got other cultures eh, from my own country which uh, I could not even remove them from myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I feel like I'm a Kenyan. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. a Kenyan because <laughs> I've stayed here for so long. Yeah. And also, I've also interacted with them, like my four-year course yeah. in secondary school. I was actually living with Kenyans. And how did they res respond to you? How, what did they think of you? Did you ever have a sense of that? No. Were they welcoming towards you? Yeah, they were very welcoming. Yeah. Like when they'll see a, a black person tall coming from South Sudan, they feel like, wow, you have made it all the way from South Sudan mm -hmm. and study in the national school. That's a great uh, achievement. Yeah. So I feel like... Um, I'm okay. I'm yeah. great. As yeah. I'm just like them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Monica, how about for you? Um, how do you feel about that term refugee? Okay. Um, to me, that term refugee is not a big deal. Yeah. Because I believe no condition is permanent. Mm. And um, I also believe that I'm just here for a season and for a reason too. So I'll not stay here for the whole of my life. So um, the way people view refugees, actually um, for the nationals, they view refugees in a different perspectives. Um, but that's, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah? Yeah. Their views and how they consider refugees and all that stuff, it doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is what, what I'm capable of or, or what most of the refugees are capable of because we will not be here the rest of our lives. Yeah. Of course, we'll go back to our countries and make our countries better, like other post countries. Yeah. So let me ask you, the WISC opportunity offers you the opportunity to become a citizen, to potentially help your families. In the future, do you see yourself going back to South Sudan? Yeah, of course. I have to go back to South Sudan. That's Why? my country. That's your country? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I might be a Canadian citizen, but still, I'm not a Canadian citizen by birth. That it be a dual citizenship. So I have to go to South Sudan and make it like Canada. Mm. Mm, and make it like Canada. So yeah. you feel a responsibility to do so. Along, let me ask you, Canada is very different than uh, uh, Kakuma from South Sudan. And we were talking a bit before the show started about what to expect there. How are you preparing to go to Canada? What is the next week? Now we're recording this in May. You'll leave in August. So how are you preparing to make this transition? So, okay, I'm very eager to go, actually, and experience the changes, the weather changes. So you, you're expecting different weather? Yeah. Everybody is aware that it's cold in Canada. 
<laughs> They're saying that with a very, uh, almost a sad look in your eyes a bit. But <laughs> and also at the same time, I'm also afraid. Mm. The kind of people I'm going to meet with. Yeah. What are you afraid of? Or nervous about? I'm nervous about the... Okay, you know, I'm an African. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether racism will be there. So yeah. I have to prepare myself psychologically. Mm-hmm. Again, at the same time, I'm going to start a new level of school. That is university. And being to a new environment makes you sometimes feel awkward. Yeah. So yeah. I have that feeling. And at the same time, I'm preparing myself psychologically that everything's going to change, not just the way that everything is here. But everything will change, yeah. 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 Are, do you, the three of you, work here together as teachers? Do you talk together about going? And, and what are some of the things that you talk about? Andrew or Monica, what are some of the things that come up when you, when you talk to each other about this transition? So, uh, because uh, we have got, we are actually not the first people mm-hmm. to go through these scholarships. We have got so many. Uh, and... Uh, we also have communication with them. Great. What are what are they telling you? Some of the alumni. Yeah. What are they telling you? Yeah, they normally tell us that um, first of all we have the weather. We have good snow. <laughs> 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 and uh, I'm very excited that I'll I'll see the snow for the first time. Okay. Yeah, that is it. And then the other things are the culture shock. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm an African, like someone like me, I've stayed here for like 20 good years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Kenyan, so I don't know Kenyan culture yeah. that much, and Sudan, South Sudanese culture that much. So it's like I'm in between. Yeah. So, so uh, I'll cope up. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. like the way we cope up with Kenyans, because yeah. yeah. we are in yeah. national schools. So. Yeah, that's not a big deal. You've had an enough yeah. change in your life yeah, that you you I have should. some of that resilience already yeah, built I up. Should. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Monica, what about you? What are you? Pr- how are you preparing yourself to go? Is there anything that's really on your mind? Okay, um, about going to Canada, mm-hmm. um, I might be having so many expectations, but still, I have to be flexible. What are, so, what are some of your expectations? Let me ask you. Of course, I'll see a different weather. Mm-hmm. Different kind of people who are white. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm this dark. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, different meals. Yeah. Mm. Have you, have you heard about some of the food? Have you, they told you about, uh, what is that dish they like, putang or something like that? Have they told you about this one with chips and gravy and like a yogurt thing? Okay, you'll see. I'll, I'll talk to you in a few months and see if you, <laughs> <laughs> if you actually liked it. But yeah, so you, you're hearing about those things. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, so those expectations and again I have to be flexible because yeah. I've never been there and I might be hearing some things from my colleagues who are there already but uh, again for some reason they might have told me some some things which are different from what is actually there yeah. so I'm really flexible um, mm. I'll just go yeah. and, and I'll I love to fit in the system. Yeah, I, I'm really struck by the fact that your experiences in Kakuma and the things you've experienced in your life have actually prepared you for this very big change that's upcoming. This idea of being flexible, being resilient, that you'll adapt. You know, you've, you're a Kenyan, you're a Sudanese. You, Canada is just another country, like it's another thing to adapt to, so you'll, you'll figure it out. And then also just this idea that you have those concerns, but I'm, I'm glad that you do have a connection with those who are there who can just offer that some of that support. How are your families feeling about this change? Are they, you mentioned your brother already, but maybe Andrew and Along you can talk about, are they 
how do they feel about you leaving? You know, when you got the scholarship, of course, everyone's excited and it's a big deal and it's a huge accomplishment. But how are they feeling about you leaving? When I, when I heard of that uh, I made it, uh, I first of all told my mom and uh, she was like very excited. That, uh, you know, in a family, when, when you have that legacy, other siblings will, will follow. Mm. So she was very happy that uh, since y you have made it yeah, to, to USC, yeah, other siblings, yeah, and uh, you will also do the same thing. And that was a very great joy to, to yeah. her. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, how is she feeling about you leaving though, the actual departure, departing, excuse me? So actually, there was some kind of happiness, joyful, and also the opposite of it. She's also sad yeah. because uh, she's going to miss me. Yeah. Uh, and then also the positivity, being happy because of I'll be studying, mm -hmm. yeah, and, uh, and at the same time I'll be helping them back yeah. at home. Yeah. And uh, you also hope that uh, one day I'll come back as a great person. Yeah. 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 And. Uh, yeah. Monica, how about you? How are your siblings feeling about you leaving? Maybe other family members. And w are there anything that they're, is there anything they're nervous about for you that they've expressed? Okay, actually, there's that mixed feeling, feeling sad and happy at the same time. Yeah, they're happy that I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make a change, they hope so. And again, they're sad that I'm, they're going to miss me. Such a way. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything that they've expressed to you that they're concerned about, or are they giving you any advice? Of course, yes. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's some of the advice they're telling you? Okay, they will tell me, don't forget us when you get there. Sometimes you make a way for us to also go there. Mm -hmm. yeah. so any any advice about how to interact with people there, or with other students, or with other Canadians? Have they given you any uh, relational advice? Any of you can answer. Yeah, yeah. as for me, uh, my mother used to tell me that uh, that you should be accommodative. You should uh, accommodate almost everyone. Mm. Yeah, be it yeah, a person who cannot go along with you or other. You, you just accommodate. Mm. Just accommodate. And also, they were also talking. They are actually nervous because uh, they are seeing the old students who have gone there a long time ago, they never came back. Yeah. So they have that shock. Yeah. yeah. They used to tell me that uh, when you go there, make sure you still come back, yeah. visit us, and, and do some other things. What do, you th what do you think you'll do, Andrew? What's your expectation for yourself after you finish university? Mm, actually, when I finish my university, I will have to come back. To Kakuma, to, to South Sudan, yeah, to, to where? To Kakuma and then okay. to South Sudan. Okay. And build my own country. Because mm. um, we have got oil there. And I'll, I'll go and do petroleum engineering. So petroleum yeah, engineering. I must be there. Bravo. Uh, yeah, to manage Bravo. those oils in, in Bravo. our country back at home. Wonderful. That is it. How about you, Along? What advice are your family members giving you about going? And what do you think? Will you. Do you have yet a vision for what you might do after university? Which, by the way, I, I recognize is not a fair question. You, you've yet to even arrive, so the expectation that you might have a plan for four years from now might be a bit much. But right now, in 2019, in May, what is the advice you're hearing, and what do you think your plans will be after you finish? Okay, the, the advice that I had from my relatives, the parents, and especially from my stepmom and brother, 
is that you're going to a different place and also my girl. So to me, I've never lived alone myself and I'm going to live alone. So going there, they have to advise me. For instance, I'm told to go live myself and also like to have a positive positive influence from other people, not going to get the negative influence of the other part. And at the same time... What, what are some of the negative things that... Are the negative things, maybe you go, you drop out of the school, mm -hmm. you join the drug addicts. Yeah. You're yeah. being addictive to the drugs. And so maybe getting, get, getting okay, bad friends. Yeah. So you have to be careful when you're choosing your friends also. And also, you know, as a girl, as a girl, you have to behave yourself. Mm. Yeah. How? Mm, maybe respecting, and then um, what? Do you feel like there's different expectations of you as a young woman going to Canada as opposed to Andrew, your your male colleague? Do you feel there's different pressure on you? Yeah. Yeah. How so? So. You see, I'll be role model to others. Mm -hmm. So when I go there, whatever I'm going to do, even the others, they will hear about me. And if I'm going to do good things, also they will say, I, will be, I want to be like so and so. So that I will force them to work hard and better. And that yeah. feels unique to you being a young woman who's going that there's all these young women here that you've been teaching at Morneau Chapelle and, and outside who might be looking to you as yeah, an example. Yeah. yeah. Does that feel hard? Yeah, it's a difficult task, but then I have to make it because yeah. it's a good opportunity, by the way. And you'll be, you'll have enlightened other people's life. So, what do you say to that young woman who does not get the scholarship, does not get WUSC, and for now it looks like her life will be here in Kakuma? What advice would you give her? Okay, for sure, not all of them will get the scholarship, but still, um, if you don't get the scholarship, then you'll not stop living because you don't have the scholarship. Your love has to move on. So you have to do other things that will enable you to be able to live your life and sustain yourself. There are so many things to do. You can you can start a, a small business and sustain yourself with that. Again, you can go to Don Bosco and do some courses like sewing and buy your own machine, start a sewing business. And life moves on. You don't just have to sit because now you don't get you don't have the scholarship, so you'll sit down and beg. No, yeah. you should again. If you did make it to the scholarship, you have to make it in life. Let me ask you: if you, if you had not gotten the WISC scholarship, maybe you would have tried again. But let's say it did not work out for you. What would you have done with your life? Okay, actually, for me, if I would have not gotten the WISC scholarship, I'll just let it go. And if I'll not get another scholarship to university, I'll have gone to Don Bosco. And start saving that the what training. What is Don Bosco? Can you tell those Don who Bosco. may not know? Yeah. Yeah. Don Bosco is a training center for the youth, and everyone is willing to be trained. It's always for free. You just have to go there, register, and be yeah. trained. So I'll have gone there, be trained, and start my, my tailor. After. Be okay. a tailor. Along, how about for you? If you had not gotten a whisk, this was your second time, you got it, thankfully. If you had not gotten it, what was your plan for yourself? Would you have kept teaching in the school or? No, my plans were if I couldn't make it, then I have to go for vocational trainings, 
like doing computer. You start with computer yeah, like basics. Like ICT or yeah, something. ICT. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you start from a lower level and then you up to a higher level. Okay. And then after that, you start your own vis- business and everything will be okay. okay. What do you want to study in Canada? Do you know? Yeah. Okay. What do you want to study? I'm going to study nursing. Nursing. Mm-hmm. So we have a future nurse, future petroleum engineer, potentially a future economist or accountant or something in finance. Very exciting features ahead. My last question to each of you, if you can tell us, um, what do you want those who are listening to the show to know about you, to know about members of your community? There's a lot of information on the internet. We can Google South Sudan or Kakuman. We can read stories. But sometimes those stories are not really capturing the true heart of who you are and who your community is. Um, So you have a chance now to define for yourselves what you want people to know about you and your community. Okay. About me, I'm a person with ambition. I'm determined. And also I have missions. So being a girl, that does not define you, that you cannot do anything in life. And that means everyone in this world has an opportunity to do what they want. And for that, you need to be determined and have a positive attitude towards that. Yeah. Okay. Andrew, how about you? What do you want people to know about Kakuma, your home for the last you know, 20 years? So I would love to tell them that uh, living in Kakuma refugee camp does not uh, restrict you from getting anything you want in life because uh, we have got schools, yeah, we have got scholarships offering by offers by the UNSCR and other organization in the camp. Yeah, be staying in the camp it does not mean that it will restrict you from getting any other thing that you want in life. Really? Yeah. You don't think it's restricted? Yeah, you think anything is possible? Yeah, anything is possible, mm. and that is it. Provided that you'll be working towards that goal. Yeah, be determined in life and live a positive life, uh, everything is possible. Yeah. It's all depend with your effort and yeah, the way you take it. How about you, Monica? What do you want the world to know, those who are listening to this show to know? Okay. I like them to know that life is a matter of decision making. You make your own decision and you live your life. It's not all about what people believe. It's not all about the majority. Yeah. So we might be living in the camp um, Majority might be hopeless, but still, if the majority are hopeless, then you as an individual, you don't have to be hopeless because the majority are. You don't have to just stay there because the rest are doing that. You have to be an outstanding human being so that you can live your life. Well, thank you so much. It's a nice way to end our conversation today. Thank you along. Andrew and Monica, for taking time to share with us. You were supposed to be teaching in your classes, but you've taken some time to have this conversation. Really glad for your voices, for your perspective. We wish you all the best as you go on to Canada. That that first snow, I hope it's beautiful and wonderful and very memorable that you, Thank you. make good friends, that you make uh, you know really the right connections to really help you succeed. And um, as I was saying before, make sure you get some nice maple syrup when you arrive <laughs> and enjoy all that uh, Canada has to offer. So we wish you the best and I hope to talk to you in the coming months and see how it's going. Yeah, all the best. Thank you. So just this week, I had a chance to catch up with Along again to hear how she was resettling in Canada. 
She's now a university student at York University in Toronto, and she filled me in on her thoughts about Canadian elections, Canadian food, and what the transition has been like for her. She joins me via Skype, and I think you'll enjoy hearing this update. So listen in as I talk to Along. Along, it's so, so nice to hear your voice, and I'm so excited to talk to you today. Well, Along, you know, the last time we talked, um, we were fortunate enough to hear about your story um, the history of your family, how you came to Kakuma, and then how you were feeling about this new opportunity that was ahead of you to study in Canada and to potentially, you know, create a new life for yourself. So maybe I can just ask you, what was the first day like when you first arrived in Canada? What, what was that like? It was very interesting, very excited. I was very excited, like, I can't even, like, explain myself. People are so nice. Everyone is, like, good here. Mm. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and, and maybe I should have asked you even just, you know, what it was like when you were preparing to go, because I've, I've skipped a step by asking you what it was like when you arrived. But after we left you in um, April, what were the next few weeks and months like while you were preparing to leave? How did you prepare? I was so anxious to come to actually Toronto after I heard that I'm going to York University and I was like asking everyone about York University searching on website what is available and how the school look like and so on so I was so anxious to come here to witness by my eyes what is there and what I was expecting to get yeah yeah so what I know you've only been there five weeks but how is your expectation compared to what you've actually experienced so far at York? Mm, my expectations were like, okay, I got most of my ex expectations there. I wanted to get them, like coming and immediately join the school. Mm -hmm. And here I got that time is very important. <laughs> For <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? What do you mean like, time is important? Yeah, sure. You have to use every minute that you have. For mm. instance, if you have an assignment, it can be due at, let's say, 11.59. And if okay. it reaches 12 a.m. and you have not done that assignment, then that means you have missed it. So <laughs> even one minute matters. <laughs> and that is that is that different than what you experienced when you were in school in Kakuma? Yeah, sure. Kakuma, you do. Okay, you actually Kakuma, we don't manage time like here. Mm. And also another thing that I've got since I came here I've never seen like a spider, something like snakes, something like <laughs> scorpions. <laughs> yeah, but in Kakuma you always stay like afraid that you're going to meet such oh yeah, sure, and it's terrible. So yeah. I'm living in a peaceful mind with a peaceful mind. <laughs> so where are you living? Are you living on campus in a dormitory or what's your situation? Yeah, I'm living on campus. Okay. Do you have a roommate? Uh, we are in an apartment. Like each, uh, each and every person has their own room, but we share the bathroom and the common room. Okay. And how is that experience for you? Are you living with other international students or are you with, mixed in with everybody? 
Uh, actually, I'm living with international students and we are lucky that we came through the same sponsorship. Like one mm-hmm. come from Jordan, the other one from Iraq, and the other girl from the DAP. So we are like international students, but came through the same host scholarship. And furthermore, we are doing like sciences. Okay. So we normally do like group discussion. We have so many things in common and it's so nice actually. Wow, that's fantastic. So the sciences, are you thinking that you're going to study science? Yeah, sure. Currently I'm doing biomedical that uh, I'm aiming higher to get a good GPA so that by next year I can join nursing school. Yeah. Hey, fantastic, Along. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. What's the biggest change? There's so many. I mean, you've you've moved countries, you're starting studying, you've met new people. There's so many different things that have been introduced to your life. But for you, what's the biggest change that you're having to manage on a day-to-day basis? Uh, The biggest change that I've made is like, uh, here you have self-driven and that's what I'm going through. So Whatever I'm doing, I have to be self-driven, do it by myself. No one will tell me, like, alone, you have to do this and that. So it's my duty yeah. to do my planning, day, daily planning, like today, tomorrow, and so on. So that's yeah. our biggest to me. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting you say that because I think a university student anywhere in the world, that's probably the biggest change from moving into adulthood and moving to that next phase where you have to be a bit more independent. What are you missing? What are you missing from home along? What do you miss? I miss my family. Yeah. Yeah. How how are you staying? How are you staying in touch with them? Uh, We normally talk on phone and WhatsApp. Yeah. Yeah. And also that I have my brother here but he's in Hamilton in another town so like weekends sometimes we do reach each other oh that's so, wonderful yeah is he is he also a part of the WUSC uh, program yeah he came through WUSC in 2017 okay fantastic yeah. so when when you talk to your family when you have a chance to catch up with them what are the things that you know, what are the things that they are asking of you? What What are the things that they are maybe curious about your new life? Uh, they're curious, like, to know uh, the kind of food I eat, the kind of people I meet, how the education is going on, and the life yes. itself, how it is. How, how is the food? How, how do you find it so far? Oh, my God. The first time I was not able to eat that much because I was... <laughs> Not going along with the food that I got here, like the burgers. I don't know, so many spicy food. <laughs> <laughs> it was so challenging in the first few days, but currently I'm trying to like adapt to all the types of food that are available. Do you have a kitchen? Can you do some cooking in your apartment? Yeah, we have a kitchen, but we also have meal plans, so... <laughs> Okay, that's I nice. can use that sometimes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, along as you think about, you know, your first few weeks in Canada, what what do you feel proud of? What have you learned about yourself that's made you proud? I learned that 
with education, you can achieve whatever you want. And mm. so I've been thinking like if I couldn't work hard while in high school and primary, I could not be here right now because not anyone can just make it up to that level. And I really f- felt proud of myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you should. You absolutely should. We feel very proud of you as well. So when we talked last time, you had a few concerns about Canada. You were unsure about a few things. And one of them was, you know, race relations and whether or not you would meet other people who are also from Africa or other people who would understand your culture. How has the cultural adjustment been for you? Um, that one, I came here and my school is a multinational school, so it's a multicultural. So it has so many people from different areas in the continent. So, like, there are so many Africans, and also there are some South Sudanese. So mm-hmm. I didn't felt that being lonely. So, oh, yeah, good. I'm good. That's great to hear. That's great to hear. So you're thinking biomedical studies or biomedical engineering. Is that right? Biomedical studies. How did you say it? Yeah. Yeah. Biomedical science. Biomedical science is what you're studying. You have roommates. You're adjusting to the food. It sounds like you've really adjusted well. Is there anything that you're finding really difficult to adjust to that you just think, ah, this was easier in Kakuma to do this thing? You know, anything that you're having a hard time with? I'm trying to adjust, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, you, you've just gotten there. So five weeks is just enough to, yeah, to start learning the new culture and the new normal way that people do things. And then I'm sure maybe in a few months you might have a, a new set of um, experiences to share with us. Yeah, sure. And currently I came and joined the clubs and, I'm volunteering with the UNICEF club club within the school. So I like it so much and they're good people. Everything that is concerning UNICEF, they normally consider the other people and invite others and show them about the UNICEF. And it's so nice. Wow. So this is a UNICEF club on campus at York. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. What else What else are you doing in your free time? Like on the weekends, you mentioned going to see your brother, but what other What other things have you been able to do so far? I do go to gym. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're getting fit, huh? Yeah. <laughs> now that you're eating burgers, you know, now you also have to go to the gym, I guess, huh? <laughs> <laughs> what What else are you enjoying in your free time? Uh, my free time, listening to music, especially the African songs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and you and your roommates, are there things that you do together uh, other than studying? Yeah, sure. There are many things like, uh, it's a fun group. <laughs> so okay, sometimes great. we come up together and have a fun game like playing Ludo. <laughs> <laughs> so uno is still big is this uno the game with the colors right uno uno uh they know uh, both of us we all know and if anyone doesn't know we have to show the other one and then continue playing the game so it's so nice fantastic have you talked to andrew or 
Monica? Yes, I do. I do talk with Monica mostly. How is she? She's doing well. That's great. Where where is she? She's in Prince Edward Island. Okay. Oh, that's that's a bit far from you, I think. I think that's on the on the eastern coast. Yeah. Wow. Well, maybe you'll get a chance to visit her. It's it's quite beautiful that way, I've heard. Yeah. And Andrew, he's in British Columbia. Okay. Wow. The other side of Canada. Wow. <laughs> So have you kept up with Canadian politics? This was a very exciting week for Canada with the election. Were you following? Yes, yeah, I've been following, especially yesterday night. I was like, let the liberal world. <laughs> <laughs> so you were happy with the outcome? Yes, of course, because uh, with liberal, they are uh, in, like, they accept the immigrants. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, compared to the conservatives, so I was yeah. supporting them. <laughs> well, you've come at a good time. This is a great way to learn about a country and a culture is to watch an election cycle. So uh, I'm sure that was really exciting. And also the Canadians are nice people. Imagine like they did the election peacefully and they just accepted the results and it was so good. <laughs> Yes, the, the Canadians are certainly have a reputation for their decency and their, their kindness. So it's an interesting observation to watch it from both the day-to-day level of classmates and then also you've seen on a national scale, I guess, um, different Canadian parts of Canadian culture. Yeah. Did you, did you celebrate Thanksgiving? I think Canadian Thanksgiving also just passed. Did you celebrate? Yeah, just, we just did that, I think, okay. last Monday. Yeah. How was it? Did you have some of the traditional foods? Oh, yeah, we, like, gathered at South Sudanese. We went to London, Ontario, and, like, all the girls from uh, Ontario, they all came up together and cooked some traditional food and ate together. It was fun. That's great. So for the Canadian Thanksgiving, you had South Sudanese food. Is that what I'm understanding? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite Canadian food? I know you said you were struggling, but is there anything that you've really enjoyed? Yeah. What, what's been your favorite? Uh, there are three types that I normally like most. Chicken okay. on the rock. Okay. okay. Yeah, and then there's uh, chicken and butter with rice. Chicken butter with rice. Okay. And... Uh, pizza. Pizza. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a universal <laughs> favorite. Sometimes that I normally take, and then plus drinks like drinks, uh, smoothies, mm. hot chocolates, such. <laughs> good. Sounds good. Well, along, I guess the last question, and then I'll let you go, because I know you have to study, and, and I'm so glad that we've had a chance just to hear a little bit more from you. But as you look ahead now, now that you're in Canada and you've, you've started to just, you know, get, get a feel of things, we know that you've just arrived, but when you look ahead now, what do you see for yourself in the coming year or, or a couple of years ahead? What do you see for yourself? In the coming couples of years, I'll, like, I'm planning to graduate within four to five years, coming mm-hmm. four to five years, and then 
work with an international organization that is nearly related to refugees affairs because I would like to work and give back to the community. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I have, I have no doubt that you will accomplish that goal. Thank you so much for talking to me again. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that I've been in touch with you. And I'm hoping and in the near future that I'm going to be working with UNICEF. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. UNICEF, pay attention. Get ready for a long. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this story from Kakama Refugee Camp. I hope these last two episodes have opened your hearts and minds to really understand better what life is like for these young people and that they deserve an opportunity and a chance to dream and succeed as much as anyone else. I'm really grateful for UNICEF who made these episodes possible and for these young people, Monica, Along, and Andrew, who took time to share their stories with us. I have come away lifted and encouraged by their tenacity, their resilience, and certainly the joy that we can find in their stories. I'd love to hear from you. So if you have thoughts or questions about these stories, please do reach out. You can reach me on Facebook and Instagram at Uproot the Podcast, and also on Twitter at Uproot and Lil, L-I-L-L. I'm so proud of these students, and they really do embody the words of Wangari Mathai. You have to keep at it until it becomes rooted. Thanks for listening, everyone.